When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of Meet the Manager. Here we chat to a fancy Premier League manager with a stellar record of success. We'll find out their strategies for a top finish and find out their plans for the remainder of the season. To timestamp this episode, we are recording after blank game week 29 and ahead of game week 30 in the 2021 season. It's a challenging season, put it mildly. My name is Joe and today I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, who is also known as FPL underscore Badgers 9 on Twitter. He is also second in our all-time Hall of Fame. Tom, welcome. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me on today. Um, Yeah, really, um, I think, enjoying the... uh, little bit of rest time after the frantic few weeks that we've had obviously into international break now um so it's nice to watch a bit of football and not have to worry about uh, which players are scoring points yes it is it's it's been a difficult season for many i'm not having the best of seasons but you're um having quite a good season um and well let's put your career up and and that's not really a surprise. Um, you're in the top 5,000 at the moment, um, but you are no stranger to that. This is your 14th season and you're currently and currently in the top 5,000 and you have four top 5K finishes already, one more in the top 10K. And last season you ended on 375, so that's a, a career best. Um, but by your first season playing, you have never finished outside the top 40k so it's both remarkable and consistent and remarkable consistency um you must be doing something each season because i've had good seasons i've had bad seasons but i've never had a i've never seen a track record like yours everyone we've usually had on meet the managers had at least one season where it hasn't gone right barring your first season so since 2008 it seems to have always gone right so are there any just key things that you're doing to maintain that consistency? Um, I mean, I, I guess sometimes it's hard to to know exactly, but um, I, definitely there's things I've, I think, learned over the years. Um, in particular, I think the last few years, you can see my ranks kind of gone up a, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a bit better than, than prior seasons. I think the main um, reason for that would be um, having a focus on not taking too many hits. Um, so definitely in the past, I would probably take 20, 25 hits in a season. You know, that's, that's a good 80, hundred points. Um, and definitely the last few years I've really tried to, um, cut back on those. Um, I think last year I took six hits this year. I'm currently on seven hits, which isn't too bad given all the, you know, the problems that we faced and all the uncertainty. Um, so yeah, that's definitely an area that I've tried to address because I was kind of aware that um, taking so many hits was really um, a bit of a penalty to, to everyone who wasn't doing that. Um, and so, yeah, you can, I think you can see that the, the, the ranks kind of steadily improved because of that. And, you know, the difference of 60, 70 points is really the difference between 50K and 5K. So, okay. um, and, and I think sometimes I would almost in the past get into a habit of making hits. 
Um, and now I, I start the season with that kind of intention right from the start that I'm going to try and ideally make five hits, something like that. So, um, so it at least works into my planning. So how do you, how do you, this is the key question. How do you avoid taking hits? Presumably you, from the outset, you're planning ahead. So you don't need to take hits because you can easily get in a one transfer, two transfers, any player you want as you keep going. Is that yeah. that way? Yeah, I mean, sometimes. Um, other times, I literally am just trying to to think carefully about whether I really need that player, um, whether I really need to do it now. You know, sometimes you just, it's, it's easy to, to rush into decisions in FPL. And I found, just for me, the biggest challenge is staying patient. Okay. So in particular, um, I if I think about it and I think, do I really need to do this? If I'm not sure, I try and do nothing. And that's that's that seems to have worked quite well for me. In recent years, because of I mean, because from when you started to now, social media has become such a bigger thing. There's yeah. you're appearing on a video and a podcast now, and yeah. there is a wealth of excellent podcasts and videos out there. Lots of people with different views and with some yeah. really great information in there. But of course, on social media, there's that pressure starts to build, momentum starts to build mm. about a player. Um, so, for example, the week that's just gone by, the momentum was that some Brighton players might be good. West Ham players might have been good for that week. And, yeah. and it was quite hard to resist that. How do you resist the lure of a player with that pressure? Or do you not feel that pressure? I don't generally feel it too much. And what I try to do is I try to um, not just look at one source. You know, if you if you listen to different pods if you, um, you know, in the old days, I just scrolled down the Fantasy Football Scout forums and, and look at, you know, ideas that people had. And sometimes you'd agree with them. Sometimes it maybe wouldn't work for your team. But in other occasions, you'd be like, oh, that's a good idea. I'll, I'll have a think about that. So, you know, I think you just have to kind of, you know, not 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 jump onto the nearest thing straight away and have a, have a you know, try and take in all that information. But at the end of the day, you've got to make the, the call yourself. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I I try and take in all this this information and then make my own decision at the end of the day. Because I find that's the difference. Because one of the themes of these meet the manager videos is to um, is to help people to become better managers, but to move into that sort of five k top one k mm. sort of realm and just yeah. just just get that difference. And that seems to be the key one is the ability to cut out the noise and to cut yeah. out. Um, that influence and not be influenced by by that as well. Um, yeah. One thing I've noticed, but, but certainly in my seasons, uh, a strong start helps. Um, it's quite yeah. easy to maintain rank at this stage of the season. You just yeah. follow the follow the crowd, and you can just keep rising up. Um, yeah. When I'm having a bad start to the season, it's quite hard to climb. Yeah. All your seasons, what's what's? Have you got a variety of good starts, bad starts? Yeah, I think I've got a mixture, but I would say on the whole, I start probably pretty badly. Oh. Um, I think the hardest time uh, in the whole season is at the start. Obviously, you've got new players. You've got ones that have played abroad. You've mm-hmm. got ones that have come up from the championship. Uh, changes in formation, changes in manager. There's a whole load of unknowns. Um, and no season is the same. And until you start seeing how they're going to, you know, how teams are going to set up, how players are going to be mm-hmm. played... Um, what their form's going to be like. There's, there's a lot of different things um, that can impact them. And I normally take too many punts. The aim is always to try and take less punts, but it, 
doesn't always work out like that. I always also say to myself, I'm going to leave two or three million in the bank at the start of the season, which I think is a good idea. I normally fail to do that as well. But, um, you know, I, I think in the in the seasons where I have started better, I have tried to be a bit more cautious, not try and do so many, you know, not try and pick so many unknown players right at the start. Um, and look, I, I, I completely agree that, it, you know, if you get off on the wrong foot, it's it's difficult to turn it around. So, for example, this season, I wildcarded game week three. I, I, I made the decision pretty early that I'd made a lot of mistakes and while I say I'm quite patient, equally, if I feel that something's really gone wrong, I try to act as soon as I can. So in this case, I really felt I didn't have Bruno. I didn't have DCL. These were players that I thought I need for the long term. Yeah. You know, Bruno, pretty immediately to me, he was a season keeper. Yeah. Um, and so I decided, look, I need to I need to do something here. And, and just, you know, having the, the one transfer a week, even if I take the odd hit at the start of the season, where even though I said don't take hits, at the start of the season is the time when I would do so because there's 8 million people playing yeah. players go up and down very quickly. So um, for me, just how I play, if I'm going to, if, you know, if I'm going to take a hit, it's going to be early on. And if I feel that things are going badly wrong, that's when I try to act. And, yeah. and I have slight regrets as well, because that wild card obviously wasn't then available for when we come up to the international break. But at the end of the day, it helped me to get to a position where I had, De Bruyne, Salah, Bruno, Son, Grealish, a power kind of five midfield. And I felt I was ahead of the game at that point. Do you feel with this season, I mean, if you mentioned, you know, some seasons can have a theme. Um, sometimes, for example, when in Leicester's title winning season, mm. the theme was you can get 10, 12 million worth of player in a five million player like Mares. Yeah. Um, and in other seasons, you've got to spend big <laughs> in order to um, do well because that the, the good, consistent players just are more expensive. Um, yeah. How what what themes do you think have come across in this season? I mean, you know, COVID aside, but just in terms of teams and players, what general themes have come across? I think I think the the usual suspects generally have um been similar to last to the prior years so bruno you know we didn't really know was he going to follow on from what he did in the second half of last season he basically has done um kdb he's just very consistent that's you know it doesn't feel like there's much of a change there salah is probably the one who's maybe dropped off he was good in the first half mm -hmm. the second half less so obviously the whole you know things that happened at Liverpool with all the injuries, I think has just hit the whole team in terms of, you know, the momentum and the confidence. Um, but I would say this season as well, I think there have been a lot of bargains. You know, you look at, and, and I got on some of these way too late. You know, you look at Bamford, you know, absolute bargain at 5.5 .5 to begin the season with. Um, other players like Antonio, I was on him as soon as he came back from injury. You know, he is not a 6.5 whatever player. He is an eight or nine million value player, really. Um, you know, he's very, you know, very consistent as well. Um, and, you know, even in midfield, you can look at the Lingards now, you can look at Rafinha, you can, there's been a lot of bargains out there. So, um, but interestingly, in defence, you know, I think we all thought at the start of the season, we'll all be on Trent at seven and a half million. What a bargain. Mm. And what a horrendous time we all had if we, you know, I, I'm sure we all had him and we all stuck with him for certain amounts of time. And maybe some of us flipped to Robertson and it was okay. But generally, those expensive defenders have not worked this year. So, and so there's a question of, 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 of spotting that trend quickly. 
and, yeah. and acting on it. And as you said, that that um, game week three wild cards um, was was key to to yeah. to putting the foundations for hopefully another successful finish to to the campaign. Um, what about um, general attitudes to transfers? When do you usually take a transfer? Is it is it Friday night, Saturday morning, or or do you just go just steam in on a Monday or after a match? I guess I know what I should do, but I don't always do it. And it does depend um, where we are in the season. So like I said, early on, I do try and build my value. Um, I, you know, I've always done that each season. And you know, maybe this season, it's probably not going to come in too helpful at the end. But in other seasons, I think it has done. Mm-hmm. Um, so early on, I am willing to take the odds risk. I try not to make transfers before they've played again. You know, if they've got a midweek game, then I think that's a big no-no. You know, obviously you don't want to make a transfer and have the guy injured. Um, but, you know, if literally it's Tuesday night and I, I look at the price rises and price falls um, a lot early in the season, and if I can see someone's going up that I feel I need in order to to make something work, a little plan that I've got going in order to get some players that I feel are quite essential, then I'll, I'll sometimes take hits and mm-hmm. sometimes take the earlier transfer. Later in the season, I think there's a lot less need to do that later and see like right now i'm just trying to ignore everything i know that some of the players i want might go up point one in the big scheme of things it doesn't really matter there are there'll be other players i can pick um and just with um captaincy um yeah uh, we've just come off the back of a game week where the theme has emerged that oh it's fine just take a punt every week they're all going to come you know trossard at brighton is always going to get a double digit haul and and of course sometimes that doesn't happen (laughs) um But how do you pick your captains? Do you do you stick to your Salas, your Fernandezes, or do you go for perhaps Calvert Lewin, perhaps uh, Gundawan? Do you, do you spread it around a bit, or do you, do you have your tried tried and tested? Yeah. So in the past, um, I probably wouldn't think about my captaincy that much. Um, it would be a last minute thing. Now I try to think about that more. I try to actually plan. You know, in the next four or five game weeks at least. Um, and in particular, I now try to stick to premiums. I think there's a reason that you pay you know, 11 to 12 million for these players. It's not because of the points per million. They're not actually the best value in the game. Um, the reason is mainly for captaincy and and for keeping a consistent team. Um, and so, yeah, now I really try to stick to premiums. You know, in prior years, I'll be there captaining Callum Wilson because he's playing you know, Newcastle. And, and, and yeah, sometimes it works and you remember those times and they're always nice. But actually, I find that I've had more fails than successes doing that. So now I try to, to pick the big guns. Well, your, your career history would indicate that's a successful strategy because um, you've had so you had so many strong finishes um, to the campaigns. And so sticking with the premiums there um, has obviously mm. helped. Um, just finally, before we move on to... Uh, your game week 30 team is a sort of a snapshot of your decisions and also you've also kindly uh, provided your game week 31 wildcard draft as well so we'll come to that shortly um but i just wondered this season and last have been different because of the covid 19 pandemic matches are suddenly getting postponed uh and particularly over winter uh players were suddenly um, you know, out out of action for at least mm. two weeks, maybe a month, maybe even longer. We've had a lot to deal with, a lot of fixtures being moved around. Have you, I mean, even though you had such a strong finish last time and you're doing well this season, how have you coped with that change or has it been any different? Is it just like having lots of snow? 
Yeah, I mean, just you know, from my, my own viewpoint, I think it is a bit of a challenge just having all the games spread out. Mm. Um, you know, you feel like you almost have to watch everything. It was quite nice on a Saturday having four or five games at one time, having a flurry of points. Um, so I try to not watch everything. I don't think, you know, for most of us, um, that's probably not possible. I try to pick my games. Um, then I might listen to pods, um, you know, listen to some of the, you know, look at some of the stats, listen to what some people are saying on Twitter um, to get, to kind of pull the information on on areas that I haven't seen. Um, but, you know, in terms of the actual strategy of, of dealing, you know, with all of this, I think I've tried to be more adaptable. I think I've tried to keep a bit deeper bench than I usually would. Um, Although funny enough, I looked back and saw that in terms of uh, points on the bench, I think until about three or four game weeks ago, I hadn't had a double digit um, number of points on my bench all season. So that's kind of a bit weird. Um, but generally, I've tried to keep a deeper bench, even if at least have playing players. You know, before I probably have maybe two players that maybe weren't even playing and that were absolutely cheap as chips just so I could... Um, put as much into my starting eleven as I as I possibly could. At least I've been trying to have your you know Soufals, your Dallases that, that you know fairly cheap, mm. but still you know you know what you know they're going to play, you, and they're quite consistent. Is that something you think? I mean, because we don't know. That's the, the what's happening at the moment with the pandemic. We don't know how the next season is going to transpire. So do yeah. you feel that that's something you're going to carry into next year? I mean. Instead of your your four point nine your four point zero defenders, you're going to be just spend that tiny bit more on your bench. Yeah, I mean, I I found it a little bit easier to manage, to be honest. And and then I think you've got a few more options on yeah. on rotation as well. I must admit, I've um, uh, yeah, I've fallen foul of that this year. Um, you know, I've maybe had two playable defenders on my bench yeah. instead of having having you know a third player. Um, and it's been. Uh, yeah, it's been difficult some weeks, especially when you've got these sudden um, postponements um, yeah. and to, trying to uh, manoeuvre around the blanks and the double game weeks. Um, let's move on to your game week 30 side, because this gives a, a snapshot of sort of where you're at in the season so far and um, also your decisions here. Now, you can already see um, that some of the things that we've been talking about are at play here. Um so just for the benefit of those listening on the podcast, you've got Meslier in goal, Dallas, Kufal, Sufal, and then Diaz, and then Rafina, Son, Bale, Fernandez, Calvert-Lewin. Kane is your captain, which is what you're talking about relying on premiums. Antonio, yep. and what you're talking about rely, uh, having a strong bench. You've got Martinez in goal as your sub-goalie. Um, Gunduan, Target, and dunk all reasonable all reasonable only dunk in fact out of all of that it's only really dunk who's got a poor fixture out of 14 players which i know a lot of us have at the at the moment um but looking looking at that did you feel that this side is sort of indicative of your your typical game week side um probably um to some extent i don't think i'd be probably planning to bench gundawan in, in the past too much um, obviously, I've got a little bit of a you know headache there. Do I play Gundogan? Do I play Bale? Um, I, I've been playing Martinez for most of the season, so Meslier has been a bit of a problem for me. Um, it's been preventing me having either Rafina or Bamford at different points. Um, so I, I'm kind of happy that he's going to go, but it's probably a bit deeper than what I've had um, for most of the season. To be honest, the bench. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't really, you know, I, I think normally I would at least have a downgrade on a few of those players. And as an example here, Dunk is going to probably going to move to a Chelsea 
um, defender. One of, you know, there's three possible options, really. Alonso being the real interesting one for a one-week punt. So, th- so this bench um, be even deeper. <laughs> yeah, so I think Diaz or Sufal are going to come out yeah. for probably a Chelsea defender. And, and then I have to, you know, I'll probably go in with like one of the Villa players, either Martinez or Target, um, possibly instead of maybe um, Sufal or Diaz as well. So... Um, a little bit to think about still, but um, I, I, I almost think here there's almost too many benching yeah. um, dilemmas. I, I don't like it when you've got that much to, to worry about. You, you end up, like I say, I haven't had many points on my bench across the season. So, um, yeah, generally, um, I don't have such a hard task as this. OK, well, let's let's move on to your game week 31 wildcard team. So just just before we do, do that, the state of play with chips at the moment. Have they all gone apart from the wildcard? Have you got any, any others left? Yeah. Yeah. Left with the wild card so this is it this is the big one for you <laughs> okay so I'll put this up so bearing in mind this is we just finished game week 29 haven't even had game week 30 yet so this is gonna this is gonna change we presume yeah um yeah. but this is so far what we've got here um so you've got Schmeichel in goal uh Forster who is playing at the moment for Southampton as a goalkeeper four million Alexander Arnold Rudiger Cody Diaz Shaw Gundogan Fernandez Salah, Neto, Rafina, Iheanacho, Kane, and Vardy. That's that's a strong fifteen, um, yeah. and there's a lot to unpack there with the remaining fixtures to go. So, um, do you want who? Well, let's start off with who. Who are the ones that you think are just going to be nailed on, and then we'll come to the ones that you think might go, might change. So, who out of this lot is you know? You're ninety nine point nine percent. They're going to just be in your thirty one wildcard team. Yeah, so I, I think I'll probably stick with Kane. Um, you know what you get with him; very consistent, um, gives me a good base. Um, Bruno is going nowhere all, all season. Um, he's definitely in. Um, I, I definitely will. I think I've come to the conclusion that I need to keep Rafina. Um, I mean, his stats are unbelievable. I, I looked um, at some of the, you know, some of the stats. 24 chances created, 18 shots. Uh, this is in the last six. Two goals, one assist. Expected goal involvement of over four um, for 5.7 million. Really, really good um, stats. And I appreciate he's got a few um, difficult games coming up in the next, like, three but then he ends the season really well. And that's why I put Neto in because Neto has a lovely run. And I think I can um, probably flip those two around um, without having to make transfers. Other ones I'm pretty set on. Um, Trent in defence. Liverpool's run is fantastic um, coming up. So, um, And he has also been posting some good stats. Um, I think he in the last six, 14 chances created, nine shots, expected goal involvement of two and a half. He's had no returns. Basically, the Liverpool forwards haven't been finishing the chances recently. Mm. Um, I think I saw a stat that their, their chance conversion is something like 3% from all their shots. It's really quite incredible. Um, but this fixture run should be uh, what they need to turn that around. And that's what I think I'll, I'll bet on um, probably also mm-hmm. with Salah. Yeah. in midfield um, I, I have a little bit of a dilemma I guess whether um, I go with Salah or KDB um, I'd like to go both I could do that but I end up with a very weak bench and that's not really practical with could, game week 33 um, something I mean I, I before we came on out uh, a couple of days ago I forwarded over sort of my hastily put together draft as well and one yep. option I was considering instead of Gundogan having KDB and instead yep. of Salah having Jota and yeah. that would go and fit with your budget and 
it would arguably keep keep it still strong. Is that an option to consider? It's definitely an option. Um, I guess I feel a little, there's a little bit more uncertainty there. I feel that Jota is maybe a little bit more of a rotation risk than Salah would be. Um, and, and I think Gundogan and, and KDB are probably similar. Um, and, you know, I, I think I'm a little bit resentful about having to pay 12 million and not know whether a, a player who I'd probably captain as well hmm. and not know whether they're going to start. Um, so just as an example, you know, the Leeds game coming up soon for Man City that you'd probably want a captain KDB. They've got Dortmund either side. So straight away, I'm like, mm, I don't think he's going to play that game. I really don't. Or what, 30 minutes maybe maximum? Yeah. So, and then he hasn't got a game in 33 at all. So at least for the next three or four, I'm kind of thinking, well, there's maybe a bit too much rotation risk there than what I would like. And with Salah, with the great fixtures, they're still creating chances. The stats are still okay, even though they haven't been finishing them. At some point, they're going to they're gonna start to finish them. And, well, you hope so anyway. Um, so I, I think I'm a little bit more um, in favour of going for the Salah Gundogan option. Although I have to say, Gundogan could go for somebody else. Gundogan could go for Jota. He could go for Lingard. There's a few other options there because um, he's at a quite a nice price point, obviously. Yeah. Um, and he definitely is playing deeper now. There's no, there's no doubt that before he was almost like the main man to get in the box and finish the chances. Now, I think he'll still do that to some extent, but now the main man is KDB. And so I think his bonus score is probably going to be a bit lower um, and he's probably going to not make as many runs as he did before. So there's a bit of, a bit of concern about him. Um, so I, I would possibly think about um, changing him up as well. Um, I can see what I can see why Inacho and Vardy are there. They're on form at the moment, and yeah. looking at the ticker as well, they um, they're, they're doing doing very well <laughs> there. They've got yeah. a whole bunch of great games coming up: um, uh, West Brom, Crystal Palace, Southampton, Newcastle within thirty-two and thirty-five. Yeah. It then gets a bit mixed towards the end. Yeah. Um, so I can see why for a thirty-one. Um, team, you would have them both in, but do you, do you are they there? But you also have um, the turn in Leicester's fixtures in mind when it gets tougher. Yep. Yeah, so their fixtures are really good from thirty-two to thirty-five. Like you say, it then um, gets far worse the last three. But you've got two pretty pretty much ready-made replacements in Antonio and Bamford just to go in. If you look at their fixtures for the last three, they're superb. So um, the only slight doubt I have here is whether I maybe downgrade Vardy to an Antonio earlier because Antonio's stats are superb anyway um, he's very consistent so even though Leicester's fixtures are great do I want to double up a little bit unsure on that I think Iniacho is a, is a real bargain but I could just stick with Antonio it would lead to probably one less transfer necessary further down the line um, and then it would free up about three or four million um, I could, you know, look to maybe instead of doing a Rudiger, do a Aspilicetta, a bit more, mm. um, you know, certain there for, you know, a bit more nailed um, to start. Um, and that would maybe help me move Gundogan to, to, to a Jota or something like that. But that's just something that I still need to decide on. But um, yeah, both Vardy and Antonio have great fixtures. And, and I'd look to bring Bamford in, I think, now that I wouldn't have my, my Meslier problem anymore. Um, then <laughs> Meslier and Dallas would have gone. So I, I, yeah, it would it would enable me to to bring Bamford in. I feel. I mean, there's two two reasons I like this. One is that your team is broadly similar to my wild card um, team. Although I have got West Ham in 
uh, at the yeah. moment from the off. And, but yeah. I am considering that Leicester attacking double up. But the other thing that pleases me is because it takes us full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, where you're talking about planning ahead and avoiding taking hits. So already you're putting in place measures to avoid the need to taking a hit, thinking yeah. of players that you might want. Um, and so let's have a look at those fixtures um, for that period that we're talking about. So this is from game week 30 onwards up to 38. And, and it's sorted um, by fixture difficulty. So we've got Liverpool at the top. This is why you've got a double Liverpool and why you're yeah. keen on Salah. Wolves, this is why you've got Wolves in there. Um, and then if you look down again, looking at Leeds, and then this is interesting why you've got Rafina in. So Rafina wasn't actually a player I'd con- considered putting in my um, uh, wild card. But you're starting to persuade me otherwise quite effectively here because, once again, this is this shows why perhaps you're quite a consistent, more of a consistent manager because you're not just looking at... I've looked at 31 to 33, City, Liverpool, Manchester United. And I thought, ah, I don't want to play Rafina then. But then you look at game week 34 for Leeds, Brighton, Tottenham, Burnley, Southampton and West Brom and particularly that Burnley, Southampton, West Brom at yep. the end. And I think... Actually, I do want to play Rafina then. So he would be a handy player to put on your bench for Neto, exactly. which is what yeah. you've done. It all makes sense. Yeah. All makes sense there. Looking also at the fixtures as well. So you've got Brighton low down there, Fulham. And City's fixtures, not great as well. Um, bit of a yeah. mix. And also they're going to be ta- targeting Champions League. You see where you've got no Palace there. Terrible fixtures, terrible form. And Tottenham, you, you've only got Kane in there. Um, West Brom you're not interested in and Leicester you're looking at that mixture of fixtures bad yep. really good bad again and then you can move on to West Ham who coincidentally I'm trying to find West Ham in the ticker oh, very high up and towards mm-hmm. the end yeah there we go Leicester's final three fixtures diabolical and Leeds final three fixtures fantastic so and and look same with West Ham as well so you've got options there and other people have options so say they might yep. want to go for Bamford for example um, but yep. certainly Antonio and Lingard. Um, yep. Yeah, it all makes sense, which I, li- I like that because it, it makes the whole episode um, flow in a, in a nice circle there, coming back to that main point. Let's have a look at some of these form players as well. So might explain why you've considered some of them as well. So, yeah, you've got the, we've got this up on, on the screen here. This is a uh, last four matches, uh, the form players um, sorted by expected goal involvement so um, we've got Kane at the top then Iheanacho Lacazette Arsenal's fixtures are quite good Antonio Jesus Pepe Ashley Barnes <laughs> Lingard yeah. Bale Vardy and De Bruyne so lots of familiar names there one of the questions I want to ask about this and one of the reasons I put this up is is your attitude to stats <laughs> are you an expected stats man do you go for the traditional stats or do you not bother with stats at all um, a bit of a mixture. I like to watch the games. Um, obviously, though, you can't watch everything. Um, so I, te- I think the stats tell you a story. Um, they highlight um, things that maybe you didn't notice um, within a game or, you know, like I say, you, you haven't managed to, to, to watch it. Um, and so they put kind of, I think I use them to kind of point me in the right direction, make me think about players and then... I might try to watch them a bit more carefully to feel, you know, to get a feel for them and, and, and think whether I, they, they, you know, they meet the eye test um, as well. So, um, you know, expected goals, you know, there's a lot of variables involved. 
Um, but I think if you look at, you know, chances created, shots, touches in the box, if you look at the kind of, you know, multiple, um, you know, different stats, then um, you get a kind of idea of, 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 especially with, I think, the more attacking players of, of, you know, how involved they are and how likely they are to score points. Um, it's obviously a little bit harder with the defenders where you're probably looking a bit more at the team stats. But, you know, I'm not, we've mentioned already, mm. you know, Trent, yeah. great stats recently. You know, he wasn't performing particularly well um, earlier in the season, but recently he has been creating a lot of chances. Luke Shaw, you know, we've seen last six, eight games. I mean, his his um, his stats have been up there with some of the midfielders and forwards. I mean, he's been creating a whole load of, of uh, good chances. And up till maybe about four or five games ago, they just weren't getting converted. Um, so if you'd have got on him early due to the stats, I think you'd have um, had big upside in the last yeah. kind of three or four games. So, I mean, that is interesting because I remember um, when I uh, was looking at a team right at the beginning of the season. And I think I was on a video and I sort of, with, with Andy, and I sort of joked about Luke Shaw. Say, Luke Shaw's doing really well in this table and I yeah. may even get him in. Um, I really wish I had because yeah. he, he's been exemplary. But it was an example there where real life emulates stats. And as we've seen with Sir my team Brighton occasionally, they've been the XG champions yeah. all season. And suddenly they're actually um, putting putting some results together as yeah. well. So you put your, you've put your faith in the stats still. Yeah, to some extent. I mean, I think, you know, you still, it's still worth looking at the player and, mm. and, and getting your, you know, your own feel for it. But yeah. Um, Sometimes the stats are so overwhelming that, you know, there's no way that, um, you know, as an example, Bamford, he yeah. was having so many shots um, and I didn't go for him early. I think I got him in in about game week nine, something like that. So he was already at, you know, 6.2. You know, some people were getting him in at 5.5, I, I guess as a bit of a punt. But the reality is, is that over five, six, seven game weeks, he was taking so many shots. It almost didn't matter how good his finishing was. He was going to score some goals. Um, and when a player is that cheap, then obviously it's great value as well. Um, just before we go, is there anything else that you wanted to mention? Um, not just about the you know the season ahead, but um, just about any particular strategies that we haven't spoken about, or any other any other sort of tips that you'd like to give to help managers get from wherever they are in the rankings to a much higher place. Yeah, I mean, I think we've covered most of the things already, but um, you know, I think the biggest thing is patience. That's the, the thing I, I try to, um, you know, think about. And, and if I'm not sure about a decision, then normally it's better to, to do nothing um, and to, to hold off, maybe wait until the next week before you make your move. So I think that's my, my biggest, um, you know, recommendation. Uh, apart from that, you know, yes, concentrate on captains, try and build value um, and don't take too many hits as, as work for me. It maybe wouldn't work for other managers, but definitely for me, it's, it's, it's worked okay. Great advice, great advice. Tom, thanks so much uh, for joining me. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, um, those listening or watching, uh, please press like. Also remember to subscribe to Fancy Football Scout to keep updated with all our latest videos and podcasts. Tom, once again, thanks so much for joining me. Um, it's been a pleasure to speak to you, finally, because um, you've been so, you've been a name. <laughs> and now you're a face with that name uh, on our Hall of Fame. And so it's a... Uh, Great to find you there. And uh, we've got your Twitter address up there on the screen as well. That's at FPL underscore Badgers 9. And I'm sure people might like to follow you um, over the next uh, few weeks or so as they look to climb up the rankings. Um, Tom, thanks a lot for joining me.
Thanks, Joe.